Hello, hello. Welcome, you guys. This is It's All Clutter. How is everyone doing? We're having a little bit of a technical issue with the video today. Maybe it'll pop on Haleyan. But in the meantime, here is a picture to share with you of me in the garden with my youngest daughter. And it's pretty relevant to today's podcast because today we are talking all about how to grow vegetables. And today's podcast is a special request podcast. So my youngest listener, TJ, lives in Staten Island. TJ, if you are listening to the podcast, say hello in the comments. TJ lives in Staten Island and he wrote in a question for the podcast. His question was, how do you grow veggies? So, hey, Gina. So I'm so excited to talk today to TJ and to everyone else about how to grow veggies because it is my passion outside of professional organizing. And I thought it's okay to take a little break from the clutter chat and talk about growing vegetables because I love my listeners and I especially love that TJ listens every week. So let's talk about growing vegetables. Do you guys have a vegetable garden? Have you grown vegetables in the past? Drop some comments in and let me know. Do you grow vegetables? Have you had luck growing vegetables? Would you like to grow vegetables? So right now, the Victory Garden, there's this whole movement towards a, a rebirth of the Victory Garden. So part of COVID and this pandemic uh, is people are thinking more about self-reliancy and growing their own food. And I went to place my seed catalog order a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago now. And guess what? So many seed companies were totally out of stock or the shipping was weeks, weeks, weeks out. So I thought, that's kind of strange. Why are we, uh, why are there so many people buying seeds and I did a little bit of asking around and talking to people and it turns out that lots of people are thinking about growing vegetables and growing gardens. So I want to talk a little bit about some beginner tips about how to get started if you're going to grow a garden in your backyard. Uh, what are the, you know, the my top, my top few tips that I can share? Now, I know that TJ, my four-year-old listener, has started growing vegetables for the first time with his aunt Patty. And they have a tray of seedlings, and they've transplanted a couple of their seedlings, actually. So they said specifically, like, what do we do? How do we do this? So I just want to say, TJ... If you're listening in, the most important thing is that your seedlings have lots of sunshine. So plants love the sunshine. You want to make sure that your seeds have at least six hours a day of direct sunlight. And then you also want to make sure that the soil is not getting dried out. So especially when you have seedlings, like in this picture here, when you have seedlings in a container, it's really easy for the soil to dry out quickly. And when they have a lot of sunshine, the soil dries out quickly also. So you have to water seedlings in containers that are outside right now at least at a minimum once a day. Um, a different link. Okay, I see that some see it. We're having a technical issue today. 
But yeah, guess, <laughs> thanks, Keely. <laughs> so I'm just being notified that there are people who are on a different link. Um, and I do, I don't know, I had a little bit of an issue with my software just now. So I appreciate Keely going and letting everyone know where to go. Um, so, <laughs> hey, Paulette, while we wait for TJ and his aunt to get to the right spot, I'm gonna go into the comments here. Um, Oh, and you have a mango, a peach, and a banana tree. So I'm actually allergic to mangoes. <laughs> uh, little known fact, mango allergy is a real thing, but I do love mangoes. Unfortunately, I can't eat them anymore. And you must be in a, I know you're in Florida, so that's a much warmer zone than we are in. We definitely uh, cannot grow mangoes or bananas, although we do grow peaches in the Northeast and they are delicious. Uh, hey, Karen. So Karen says I've grown veggies in the past. I have a few veggie plants this year, um, eggplants, Brussels sprouts, tomatoes, peppers, zucchini, and an herb garden, and lots of flowers. That sounds lovely, Karen. Karen, what's your favorite thing to grow? So, okay, so I hear that TJ is on his way to the podcast, so we're just going to wait a minute or two, <laughs> and Patty, when you get on here, just let me know that you are here so that we can say hi to TJ. So if you guys are looking for some good, what my like favorite vegetables are, I have to say, if you're a tomato fan, my 100% most favorite tomatoes are called Sun Gold Cherry Tomatoes. They taste unlike any tomato. They taste like a true tomato, I guess. They are so flavorful. They're cherry tomatoes, so they're little. They turn orange when they're ripe. They are beyond flavorful. They are the best of the best. We have about probably 24 Sun Gold Cherry Tomatoes plants growing this year. Lots of tomatoes. We grow a lot of tomatoes. Oh, and you're allergic to mangoes also? So I've never met anybody with a mango allergy before. Hey, Brenda. So I guess um, this was showing up on the wrong link. Patty, you're here. TJ, hello. Okay, so TJ is here. My favorite, <laughs> my favorite listener, TJ, is here. So TJ, we're just talking about how to grow vegetables. And we're having a technical issue today with the video and apparently with the link also. Um, so TJ, this is a picture of me in my garden with my daughter who loves to help me in the garden also. Karen says, flowers suitable for cutting. I like to have fresh bouquets in the spring, summer, and fall. Yes, me too. I actually, I love, well, I, there's so many flowers that I love, but I always make sure to plant zinnias because they're just so bright and, and beautiful. But I have tons of other flowers that are growing too. And I just also started growing um, like vining roses in the garden. So I can't wait for those to really vine out and, and be beautiful. Paulette says, I have cherry tomatoes in pots, lettuce, spinach, and eggplant, purple kale in my raised, kale in my raised bed, and squash in the garden. Sounds delicious. So, so Patty and TJ have a tray of seedlings that they are wondering what is the next step. So TJ, I just want to let you know, you definitely want to make sure that those seedlings are getting lots and lots and lots of sunshine. Sunshine is key. And then they also are going to need a lot of water so that the soil doesn't dry out. But at this point, when you just have little seedlings, all they want to do is reach for the sun. So if you put them in direct sunlight for six hours a day, 
at least and make sure they have plenty of water, they are going to grow like crazy. You can leave most vegetables in pots. You don't necessarily have to put them into the ground. Uh, and sometimes, especially if you live in the city, that might be the best option for you. TJ, you know what else I have to let you know about? There are predators in the gardens. <laughs> so you have to, if you're going to, um, if you are going to plant your vegetables into the ground, you want to make sure that you protect them from the wildlife that's all around. Even dogs like to dig up vegetables. Um, raccoons love to go into your garden. Squirrels and chipmunks love going in the garden. Once I had a skunk in my garden. We've had lots of groundhogs in the garden. Um, but by far, I think the dogs are, my dogs are the, the worst because they don't actually dig up anything, but they stomp on a lot of my vegetables. Hey, TJ. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Chris, um, working on putting a few items in the garden, but need to get fencing to hang on to for the vines. So if you look at this picture here, I actually use this panel. It's called cattle panels. And I grow all of my vegetables that can vine vertically so they stay off the ground. I'll have to do an updated picture so you can see what it looks like now. I have quite a few things that are starting to grow up the vine or grow up the trellis and it's really beautiful. <laughs> hey Candy, sorry about the complication with the link. We're having a technical issue today. I also have no video, um, but I have a picture. So. <laughs> so TJ, the next important thing, so you wanna make sure that your vegetables have a lot of sun and a lot of water. And if you are going to transplant them, or even if you're gonna keep them in a container, I want you to consider giving them some mulch. So mulch is basically anything that you can put on top of the soil, like an organic mulch. So organic, any organic matter that you can put on top of the soil to keep the moisture in and to provide even more nutrients for the soil. So I usually use grass clippings for all of my mulch. I mow the lawn. We have a lot of lawn, so it works out pretty well. I mow the lawn and then I put probably three to six inches of, of lawn clippings around every single seedling. And that keeps, it actually keeps them warm and cool because it regulates the temperature of the soil. It holds in the moisture and it keeps the weeds from growing. So it works, it seems like it's a lot of work in the beginning, but in the end, it saves you so much time because you're not having to weed quite as much. So you definitely, if you're gonna put them into the ground, oh, you guys get possums there too. Yeah, so you wanna somehow protect your seedlings because the possums will eat them right down. Uh, you, if you're gonna put them into the ground or even in a pot, I would definitely mulch your plants heavily, heavily mulch them twice as deep as you think you need to mulch them. And I guarantee you're going to see better growth. Yeah. Amy, the grass clippings uh, make a world of difference. Um, I will absolutely, after this podcast, you know, post some pictures of the grass clippings and some updated pictures of the garden. Uh, the grass clippings are free. It's good exercise to collect them. Um, I've used straw in the past, and sometimes I still will occasionally use straw, but I have to say the straw, is, it's harder to, to spread out around the vegetables. It's a little bit slippery. You can also kind of get like a splinter almost from it, 
and it doesn't keep the weeds down like the grass clippings do. I also mulch my garden beds with grass clippings. I mean, my flower beds with grass clippings because again, we have a lot of grass. <laughs> so, so it's inexpensive and it's great exercise and it, you never, you don't have to remove it at the end of the season either. Okay, so he's coming to mow tomorrow and take up the grass clippings. Yes, awesome. So you, so save those grass clippings, put them right around the vegetables. I'll post pictures to show you what it looks like. And then if you have anything that is vining, like we were just talking about, you want to give it a little bit of support. So if you have cucumbers, if you have winter squash, if you have peas, um, anything that's going to grow up a vine, go ahead and let it grow up instead of on the ground. Because when it grows up on the trellis, it has more airflow around it. So the air circulates around it better. So that reduces the pest pressure. And then sometimes on the ground, things get mushy or moldy just from being right on top of the soil. Sometimes the vegetables do. So this allows it to grow up, to get lots of sunshine, and you can grow way more in a smaller amount of space. Okay, so Candy says, what about old leaves as mulch? I cleaned out old leaves from under the bushes and put them around. Yes, it's a great thing, Candy. I definitely would use, like in the springtime when I'm mowing, it's mostly leaves actually. So leaves are awesome. So what happens when you put down mulch, it's not just that it, the soil, it protects the, um, the temperature, kind of like regulates the temperature of the soil and holds in the moisture, but it actually creates a little... Uh, microbiome in between the soil and the grass clippings or the leaves or the or the straw because the bottom layer of the mulch starts to decompose and as that happens it attracts all of the good things that you want in the soil like worms and all of those good little uh, insects the, the beneficial insects start to develop and grow right there uh, so it creates this perfect little environment for your vegetables to, oh, my dogs are scratching at the door. <laughs> uh, Paulette says, I've been making compost tea to water the veggies. So that's another great idea. Paulette, how do you make your compost tea? Though I'll tell you how I make compost tea. Uh, I actually just, I use my a blender, right? So I have like the tops of the blender and I put my coffee grounds and a lot of my veggies in there, my veggie peels and everything and then I blend it all up. And so everything is really, really small. And I just spread it into the garden. Um, that's my compost tea. And it works really well for me. I know that there's some controversy over that type of compost tea, but I've had a lot of success. So, you know, coffee grounds have a lot of nitrogen in them and plants need nitrogen to grow. So that's definitely one good way to do it. Now, suppose you guys want to start a garden and you haven't purchased your seeds yet, don't worry because you can get seedlings that have been growing in a nursery under perfect growing conditions for weeks now and they're nice and strong and ready to go right into the garden. So another recommendation that I have is if you haven't started seeds yet, just get seedlings. And in the future, don't feel like you have to start stuff from seeds. Buying seedlings is always a good way to go too. Okay, Paulette uses fruit and veggie clippings with coffee and tea grounds in the blender. Oh yeah, see, isn't that great? I think it works It works out really well. Um, so you give your plants a little bit of food. So TJ, if you're listening in right now and you have somebody in the house that drinks coffee, 
you can take the coffee grounds and spread them in the soil and they are gonna give the vegetables the nitrogen that the vegetables need to grow. So you just wanna do a little bit, sprinkle a little bit around and that will help your veggies grow. It'll also deter some small pests. So sometimes you get little insects and things like that that are trying to eat your flowers or your leaves. I have cucumber beetles in my garden right now that I have been picking off. Um, we actually bought beneficial uh, nematites, I think they're called, which are basically like an invasive, <laughs> some sort of invasive parasite, but it only invades the things you don't want eating your plants. So as soon as the weather is right, we're going to spread the nematites into the soil. It's really interesting and really fun. Aunt Patty and his sister Nicole both drink coffee. So do you, if you guys have coffee grounds at home, then that would be a super helpful thing that you can do is to put them into the soil, mix them up into the soil. TJ, I think that you're also growing sunflowers and I think that that's awesome. You can grow sunflowers that are even bigger than you. We have grown mammoth sunflowers in the past and they truly, you know, at the end of the season, the stalk looks like a little tree and <laughs> they're so big and so sturdy. Uh, Candy says, I bought a huge, I almost bought a huge pallet of rubber mulch last summer, but waited too late. Sounds like my leaves are better for worms. Yes, Candy, the leaves are awesome for worms. Even just if you mow the lawn and collect the clippings, that will work too. Nematodes, nematodes, nematites. I have to actually look up what exactly it is, Dana. Um, let me, actually, I can probably look it up right now. Uh, let's see. Nema nematodes for the garden they're called beneficial nematodes and they let's see so i think that i can share my screen possibly got to find the ones on Amazon. They were, <laughs> they were the, the, the little picture was really cool. Does the rubber mulch choke out the things that shouldn't like beneficial decomposition? So Candy, I'm not super familiar with rubber mulch, but I would guess that it probably is not the best thing for I mean, it doesn't decompose ever, right? That's the problem with plastic. It'll never break down. Um, so I'm not so sure that I would use that. I mean, it, you you could use it. It's probably not going to hurt your plants, but it's not going to provide that uh, that little biome that it needs that, that can be really beneficial. So let's see here if I can show you my screen. Um, here we go. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> no, it didn't seem to work. I don't know why I'm having so many tech problems today. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Show that. Nothing. <laughs> oh my goodness. What are we going to do? Um... How come it will not switch over to that? 
Hmm. I'm just going to have to post the picture later or nope, not there. Hold on. Maybe I can paste it right here. Nope. <laughs> can't do that either. Oh, well. Um, so Dana, I will post it in the comments here so that you can see it there. Um, but yeah, they're just called beneficial nematodes and they're like these little, uh, they kill like Japanese beetles, fleas, flies, fungus gnats. Um, they're little parasites that are, you get like 50 million in a tiny bag and then you add them to a, um, to a watering can and you water them into the ground and they like parasitically infest the negative things the, um, that are eating your garden. So <laughs> pretty interesting, the things that you learn when you're gardening. So TJ, the last thing that I want to say to you is a lot of times when you garden, things don't turn out like you think they're going to, and that is okay. So that's the best thing about gardening is that it is, yeah, I know I'm over here. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I can't get it to anything to go right here. Um, no, Brenda, I, it's me. <laughs> it's totally me. Um, I wonder if I can just drag this out of the way. Ooh, I almost had to go away. Oh, there we go. <laughs> okay. Hey. <laughs> uh, so we got that to disappear. That's a positive. Um, I feel like this is just one of those, one of those podcasts that's so TJ, here's the deal with gardening. When you garden, things go wrong all the time. And that's what I think is the best thing about gardening because you're always, always learning. And learning is the greatest thing that can happen to you in life. To have an experience, to have a learning experience and to say, oh, you know what? This went wrong because the possums ate it. So next year we have to protect our vegetables from possums or this didn't work because yeah well, for whatever the reason is right if you can learn from the experience and take anything that other people might call a failure and you call it a learning experience and grow from it and figure out how to do better next year that's the most amazing thing for me about gardening it gardening is something i will never master because there's too many variables in involved, right? There's, you just never know what's going to happen. You have cucumber beetles one year, Japanese beetles the next year, uh, potato bugs the following year, you know, whatever it is, there's always something that's going to be a challenge. And that's just what it is. It's a challenge and you learn and you grow and you take the experience and you just keep on trying. So TJ, no matter what happens to your garden this year, I am sure you're going to have some things that grow and are beautiful and other things that just, you don't know what happens, but no matter what happens, I want you to try to garden every single year. Don't give up. Just learn from the experience and take, just take everything that happens and figure out how to do better next year. And that's all that you can do and try and have so much fun doing it because gardening is super, super rewarding. So enjoy your time in the sunshine. Thanks, Paulette. <laughs> um, in my article that I wrote about gardening, I said I am the thing that keeps me going is not mastery of a skill, but it's the constant challenges and struggles that I have to learn from every single year. 
That truly is why I garden because, well, and the vegetables taste great. So don't stress. No. So Patty, don't stress about the bell peppers. And do you know what? Even if your bell peppers didn't grow from seed, you can go and buy bell peppers in the grocery store that are already like this big, right? And you can plant those into the ground or into a pot and that will work out just as well. So the bell peppers didn't work. So maybe next year you think, okay, I don't need to start bell peppers from seeds, but your sunflowers I think are doing amazing, right? So that would be a good thing to remember. That's something to start from a seed next year. So yeah, it is, it's gardening and life. Gardening very much mimics life all the time. <laughs> are there any other questions that I can answer about gardening? I also can a lot of vegetables. Uh, so I preserve as much of my harvest as I possibly can. Um, last year, okay, I'm gonna, I'll tell you guys what one, a new thing that I did last year, which was really, really cool. We had a lot of watermelons and I was getting a lot of watermelons from the grocery store also. And I made, I dehydrated watermelon slices and it makes like a watermelon taffy. It's delicious. So if you th think about that, I can post some pictures. That was a really cool thing to do. I also made um, pickled, like a sweet pickled watermelon rind, which I had never done before. And we used spices that were kind of like cinnamon and cloves, like, like what you would consider like an apple pie spice. And that has been, so we canned a couple of jars of pickled watermelon rind and we use it now in muffins because it tastes kind of like apples. It has like an apple pie flavoring. I got a doggie that's trying very hard to get into here. Sammy, come here, come here, come on. Come here, you wanna say hi? You wanna say hi to TJ? Come on, come say hi. All right, TJ, look, you have a special guest who's joining you. Come here, Sammy, come on. Come on up here. Say hi. Say hi. Look, there's Sammy. <laughs> yeah, can you say hi to TJ? Huh? You say hi to TJ? Yeah, I know. Sammy likes the garden too, TJ. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so watermelon taffy. Yep, it's just dehydrated, dehydrated watermelon slices and then pickled watermelon rind. So, so, so delicious. So, okay. I'm going to go ahead and end this crazy podcast. <laughs> Thank you guys for sticking around with me. I'll post all of the links and pictures into the comments here so you can see everything. And we will be back next week with another topic related to clutter because um, it's all clutter. Interestingly enough, whenever I kind of finish working with a client, oftentimes they start gardening. So I wonder if there's a direct correlation between clearing your clutter and then having time to grow a garden. Um, there might be, it seems like, <laughs> it seems like it, there, it happens a lot. Um, okay, Keely says, I buy a lot of bell peppers. I'd like to plant some. Do I need a lot of room? No, Keely, you can totally plant. Uh, I do bell peppers. Check out square foot gardening. So square foot gardening is a method of growing stuff in a pretty small space. It's how I started growing, gardening 20 years ago. You really only need about 10 inches per bell pepper plant. And you can get varieties where you get a ton of peppers. I actually, oh, Sammy, see Sammy brought his ball. This is all that he wants to do, but we're not really supposed to play ball inside the house. Um, last year, I've had a variety of bell peppers called lunchbox peppers. 
And they were the little sweet bell peppers that you get in the grocery store. They were so delicious. And each plant yielded like 40 to 50 peppers. I mean, it was incredible. And they only probably needed about six inches in between each plant. So you can definitely grow bell peppers without a lot of space. They do like sunshine. So I would definitely try and find a sunny location. Um, the other nice cool thing about growing peppers, especially bell peppers, is if they are ultimately going to be not green, you get to kind of see them phase through all of the color. So all peppers start, well, not all peppers, but a lot of peppers start green and then they transition to whatever color they're becoming, if it's purple or yellow or red. And that's kind of cool to see that transition happen also. Brenda says, I'm clueless about gardening, but I would like to. I don't even know where to start. My husband started an herb garden for me for Mother's Day from seeds. Brenda, go to the library or go onto the internet and search up square foot gardening. It's the best resource for starting 100%. It just tells you how to grow everything in a small space uh, without a ton of commitment. So start, go get some seedlings from the, from the store, plant them into the ground and just see what happens. That's <laughs> right. Learn, learn as you go. Um, Candy says, do you always need to plant two of everything? like two jalapeno plants. So no. So, okay. So, and Candy, you're saying, I don't know why I think that, but I always buy at least two of everything. So sometimes in the plant kingdom, there's male plants and there's female plants, but typically with vegetables, you, you don't need to worry about male and female plants. Occasionally you need to worry about male and female flowers. So on any of the squashes, uh, you'll see when they start to flower, but in one plant, you'll have a male, you'll have male and female flowers. Um, when they start to flower, there's a male flower and there's a female flower. The female flower has the little squash growing right underneath the flower. And the, and usually the male flowers bloom first. So the earliest blooms are male flowers because nature wants to make sure that the male flowers are there when the female flowers come along. We actually will take a paintbrush and fertilize our squash plants to make sure that they, the, the fruit gets fertilized. Because what happens is if the bees don't do their job, uh, the plant, the, the little fruit will just grow to be like tiny and then it'll just die. Um, so, so we go out there with a paintbrush or you can use a Q-tip or you can use your finger and we fertilize the male and the female flowers on our squash plants. Um, cucumbers tend to have so many flowers that it doesn't really matter. I mean, they typically, most of them get fertilized, but no, you don't need to have two of everything. And in some cases you actually want to make sure that, uh, like corn, for example, you want to have only one variety because if you have two separate varieties, they can cross pollinate and actually the fruit of the corn. So the corn, the ears of corn will be inedible or they'll taste terrible because the cross pollination is bad for corn. Um, so it's kind of interesting. You get to know a lot about nature when you are gardening. Um, that's how it goes. And corn self-fertilizes also. Um, the, there's like little tassels on the top and when the wind blows, they, they kind of like fall down and they fertilize the corn cobs. 
But if the wind blows really strongly, they can go over to like neighboring corn. And if it's not the same variety, that's where you have a problem. Typically, if you're not saving seeds, corn is an exception. Typically, you don't need to worry about planting different varieties because it would only show up in next year's harvest. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, Dana, are veggies easy to keep alive? I basically kill every plant except for a poinsettia. Well, actually, keeping a poinsettia alive is a little bit of an accomplishment. Um, veggies are really easy to keep alive as long as you can protect them. I would start with tomatoes. They're super, super easy. Lettuce, any greens are super easy. Like especially kale, like those and, and uh, shard. The hardier greens are really good. Um, and you don't have to worry too much about the heat. Like heat will make regular like romaine type lettuce to bitter, but kale and the hardier greens don't get bitter. Um, I would, yeah, start with tomatoes and greens or pro and maybe cucumbers are like the easiest ones to grow. Most vegetables are pretty easy to grow as long as they have sunshine and water. <laughs> yeah, Dana. Okay. So then make sure you post pictures and let us know how it goes. Um, oh, okay. Chris, so you have two different kinds of corn. So another strategy, although did you buy seedlings or seeds? So with corn, you could plant them. They have to be 200 feet apart, typically, for that to, for it to not cross-fertilize, which is really a big distance, and most people don't have that in their backyard. Sammy. <laughs> this is a chaotic day today. Um, you could also plant them, if you are planting them from seed, you could plant them like three weeks apart. So that they're fertilizing their plants at different times. That's another, okay. So Chris, I would plant one variety now, and then in two or three weeks, plant another variety as far away from the first variety as possible. Um, Brenda says, we did tomatoes a few years ago in five gallon buckets on our back deck and big worms ate them. Did you have tomato worms? Like those nasty ones that you're like scared to touch? Those are, you have to like pull those off. They're, I mean, they will like chop down tomato plants. I forget what they're called. Um, they're actually not called tomato. They're hornworms. They're they're scary. Like <laughs> they actually are very frightening looking. They have like teeth and they're huge. Um, but Brenda, that's all like the learning experience, right? So now you know if you see those big hornworms to definitely pull them off. You do have to really kind of look at your vegetables if not every day, every other day, and just see what's eating them. Um, there's always something, but sometimes it's not a big deal. Sometimes it is a big deal. Last year we had on our squash, we had something called powdery mildew. So it just was basically like a white coating that ended up killing most of our squash plants. Even though I was down there spraying it with all sorts of stuff, uh, it just kind of got away from me and I couldn't, couldn't do it. We also had um, potato beetles one year that just decimated a whole entire potato crop. There's always, I mean, there's always something. And so sometimes it's great and amazing and other times it's, oh, tomato, yeah, tomato hornworms. Yep. Um, it's <laughs> Charlie, Charlie's listening to me talk to you, Sammy. Yeah. Come here, Sammy. Come say hi again. Come here. Sammy's very obsessed with his ball. But luckily he doesn't bark at it because that would drive me crazy. Uh, okay, so we've talked about dogs, hornworms. Uh, <laughs> all says, hey, so this T TJ, do you have any more questions? 
Are you gonna put some stuff into the ground or are you gonna keep it all in pots? It's really nothing wrong with keeping vegetables in pots. You can grow so much. The other thing that I love to do and I love to do with the kids is um, grow purple vegetables. There's so many purple vegetables. There's purple carrots, there's purple potatoes, there's purple peppers, there's purple tomatoes, there's purple corn, there's purple green beans. There's, can I use a tomato cage for green beans? Yeah, you totally can. Chris, you can also get uh, a bush variety of green beans. So most green beans grow up like are like pole beans, but you can get um, green beans that are a bush variety. Actually, these purple green beans that we grow, they're just a little bush and they grow tons and tons and tons of green beans. So you don't need to trellis all of them if you get the bushing variety. So my in-laws grow a lot of tomatoes and we just got some from them now. Wow, that's that's a blessing. <laughs> Okay, everything is in pots. That's really good, Patty. So if you do have possums, you could even take your pots in at night uh, if you wanted to lug them back and forth. But you can also put some netting over them or something. You could try and protect them from the different things in the neighborhood. I love this Q&A. <laughs> yeah, the purple veggies are so, so, so neat. Oh, there's purple bok choy. That was the latest one that I found this year. And the cool thing about purple vegetables is that even if kids don't necessarily love a vegetable, sometimes having a purple vegetable, oh, there's purple cauliflower. Uh, sometimes having the purple vegetable, you know, somehow makes it more appealing. So we've had nights where we just have, <laughs> where we just have um, like all purple vegetables, purple mashed potatoes, you know, it's really fun. A salsa garden, yes, yeah, salsa, that's exactly, I grow um, those, oh, what are those peppers that I love for salsa? They're so good, I grow tomatillos. We also grow, um, they're called ground cherries or ground tomatoes or husk to cherries. There's three names for them, but they're really, really a different type of fruit that uh, we started growing last year and they were delicious. The salsa garden is where it's at, totally. Cilantro, tomatoes, peppers, onions. Yes, the rainbow bright Swiss chard, totally. TJ, if you're watching still, Dana suggests, recommends uh, rainbow bright Swiss chard. It's all different beautiful colors of chard. It's so pretty. I will definitely share a salsa recipe, yes, 100%. Um, I love salsa and chips. <laughs> So, so, so good. We uh, we also grow asparagus, which is a perennial vegetable. So it comes up every year. And this year I tore out my whole garden and started from scratch. I wanted a whole new design. It's my, I've had my garden for about 11 years in this location. So it was just time for something new. And I tilled up all the soil and everything. I have a really big garden. And those asparagus keep coming back. So... Habanero, whoa, those are those would be spicy. <laughs> the beets were a great color. Yep, so it was very cool seeing the red pushing through the dirt. Yeah, beets are really fun to grow, and you can also eat the greens too. Um, yeah, totally. So salsa recipes. We should have a little recipe exchange going and prioritize your sanity. <laughs> that would be really fun. All right, any last questions? Now we've talked about squash having babies <laughs> we've talked about purple vegetables um 
talked about dogs and salsa. <laughs> We've talked about worms in your soil, mulch. Um, any more questions before we end this broadcast? We could talk about clutter and plants. <laughs> Beet juice, yes. It's really, if you have a juicer, that's a good way to use up the extra produce from your garden as well. Back to the watermelons. We Every year we also will juice watermelons and just freeze the ice cubes and then put the ice cubes in, like freeze ice cubes of watermelon juice, put the ice cubes into plastic bags, like a big Ziploc bag, and the kids can make different drinks throughout the year. So like they'll mix seltzer with watermelon ice cubes and it tastes really, really good. Uh, yes, you're supposed to eat the rainbow of vegetables. Absolutely. So what are you guys going to have for lunch now? I'm going to have a salad because I'm inspired here. And I just plant, picked a whole bunch of lettuce from the garden last night. Oh, Patty, thank you. If TJ has any more questions for the, are there any poisonous vegetables for dogs? Um, Not that I'm aware of. I don't, is huckleberry poisonous for dogs? I'm not sure. And that's not like a common vegetable that you see in most gardens. I mean, sometimes you see huckleberries, but not so often. I don't think that there's any, well, also my dogs eat everything and nothing appears to hurt them. So, <laughs> um, that's a good question, Chris. Oh, um, salad with microgreens. Oh, Candy, how are your microgreens coming? Anne says we make cubes out of key limes on our tree. So yum. When my mother-in-law lived in Costa Rica, she would make key lime pie and it was just delicious. So delicious with homegrown key limes. Yet another thing that we don't really grow in the Northeast. I did have a lime tree that somebody gifted me and it gave me like 10 beautiful limes and then it just died. So onions and garlic, are those poisonous for dogs? There's some possibilities here, maybe. So maybe onions and garlic. We'll have to research that one, Chris. That was a question I don't know the answer to. Oh, wait, onions and garlic are no-no for dogs. I wonder if dogs, do they actually want to eat onions and garlic? I don't think that my dogs would actually eat onions and garlic, although <laughs> you never know. Um, I also have horseradish root in my garden that's ginormous. Oh, or grapes. Look at all these things. But okay, so no onions, no garlic, no grapes. If you have a dog that loves to eat anything, <laughs> they will, apparently they will eat all of it. Um, avoid planting those. <laughs> okay, you guys, this has been awesome. Thank you so, so, so much for tuning in. Uh, if you're planting a garden, let us see some pictures. Tomato greens are toxic to cats. Okay, that is good to know also. Chris, I'm sorry. That's a horrible way to lose a cat for sure. Um, really good to know. Good information at the end here. No tomato greens if you have cats that like to eat greens. I know there's houseplants that are very dangerous too for dogs and cats. I always ask that question when I buy plants. You guys have a great, great, great week. I will see you next week with another decluttering and organizing topic. If you have a question, if you want to, you know, if you have a topic that you want me to talk about, just like TJ did, all you need to do is write me a letter or a note or message me or email me or 
there's a million ways to get in touch. Let me know what topic you want to hear about. All right. Have a great, great, great day. Bye, everyone.